0: Welcome to Business and Investing with Grant and Charlie, where we are enhancing your complete set of skills to build wealth inside and outside your business. Charlie, curious, have you ever fasted before? And I'm not talking that little sort of intermittent fasting where you skip brekkie. I'm talking like a real fast.
1: Absolutely. I have done a proper fast.
0: Enter. did you find a list of things that you're like, damn, I just found out that I can't live my life without these things, whether it's food or otherwise, like...
1: My biggest insight from doing a fast was realizing that I'm never actually hungry.
0: I just tend to eat and think I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And I feel like I'm, I'm three quarters of the way through a fast right now. And it made me think about things that I need in my life that if I went without, I'd be disappointed. Here's a couple. Food. <laughs> I think it's a massive one. Uh, second one is obviously my wife. I think she's a fantastic human being. And you know the third one? It's got to be the newsletter. The newsletter, Charlie. And so if you're sitting there going, you're right, Grant. Food, my partner, and the newsletter is exactly what I need. i got one for you. Head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter. Put in your name and email and subscribe to get notified every single time we release one of these episodes. Means you don't have to go without. Now let's cue your disclaimer. It's Charlie here from Business and
1: Investing, and I need to let you know that Grant, myself, and the Business and Investing team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you personal or specific financial advice. We strongly encourage you seek out and use professionals when you are making investment decisions or comparing investment products. All right, Grant, here we are for part two of this Q&A episode. So in the previous episode, we answered the question of what had the biggest impact on us in the early stages of business, which was a fun episode to record, I must say. It was great. Now we're going to go into more recent times. So with these are in the later stages. I'm going to go with more recent. We're still pretty young here. Later stages, I feel like we're going to be like 50 plus, 60 plus. The latest, the, the, the last stages. Can, can I ask you a question here quickly? Uh, sure. Has anyone referred to you as middle-aged yet? <laughs> oh,
0: no. I've got this, I, I'm very fortunate. I have like a baby face. And so like people think I'm genuinely younger than I actually am. And so, no, I, if anything, I'm like, I get the, hey, it's so good to see someone so young doing what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Why, Charlie, have you? Not gonna answer that question right now. <laughs> do you do you still
1: get asked for your
0: um like license or ID when you buy alcohol? No. Well, funnily, I don't buy that much alcohol, but I'm sure that I probably would if I went in for like some six packers of it. Hey, young kid.
1: All right, well, I'll tell you what. Here's to middle age. To Here middle it is. age. All right, so I want to let you kick off on this one. Point number one. What's something that's had the biggest impact in
0: the more recent Stages of business. All right. Let me uh, let me paint the picture for you, Charlie. So just coming into COVID at the time, I was running an enterprise project management company and we had a CEO who was running the company who uh, we actually sort of didn't do the greatest job. And I'm trying to say that sort of the nicest way possible.
1: Very delicately. Very delicately
0: because uh, he, he, he did it to the best of his ability. The results just weren't as good as we anticipated. Uh, and we actually had to, I'm saying we had to right-size the company, Charlie. So we actually had to remove quite For, a for few those people. of you at home who don't understand what right-sizing is, that <laughs> means
1: Grant had to fire some people.
0: Yes. Uh, it might have consisted of almost double-digit people in the Melbourne office. And as you can imagine, very challenging mentally, very challenging emotionally because this is like a baby that I that I built from the ground up.
1: I like can hear this, it now. The whole tone and <laughs> way of your voice is speaking like this is but not is a the, time you look back on fondly. But continue. It's, it's a time I try not to think about
0: because it, it just. Is, opens is this up wound woos. still a bit fresh? Oh my gosh! Right, so that happened, and so then me and one of my co-founders we dove back into the business and sort of ran the business together um, with an awesome team, and it was it was a, a killer team, and everyone understood at the time. But then it would have been about twelve months later. I I remember I was sort of coaching these two guys around a, a startup business and they got to the stage where they needed some investment funds. And I remember, so Hazel was with me and she remembered the pain of when I had to right size the business and that I was a mess. And so about a year and a bit later, I go to her and say, hey, like I, I don't know. I don't know where this thing's going to land. Like this was middle of COVID. This is when like the world was burning around us. Um, I'm like, I, I don't know if this business is going to, run the distance i'm like I'm i bet on myself and i think i can make this thing run and i bet on my business partner and i, I know we can make this successful it's just that 10 20 part of me that has that unconfident feeling of just going oh, what if charlie what if this thing didn't exist
1: right so you've been running this company gone through a downsizing experience which is never fun right <laughs> oh, it's the worst day of our life it was horrific yes I actually don't enjoy firing people at all. I think it's one of the worst activities in business, and that's why I think hiring well is so important. So you ideally don't have to do that completely. But um, in this case here, you've gotten to a point where the world has changed because of COVID as well, right? So there's been a massive change experience, and then some. Sounds like some
0: doubt has crept in in if this business will sell. So this this was challenge because we right size just before covid like just before like it was like two months prior and then huge doubt so year in it was like cool we've got we've got sort of half the team size and what we did um sales are kind of rolling in and stuff like that we had like some good covid stimulus coming in and stuff like but there was still this doubt in the back of my mind going shit charlie like what happens what happens if all these things sort of just doesn't exist tomorrow what what does this look like? Like what have, what am I gonna do? Like imagine can, looking can at Can I ask
1: another question on this?
0: Go for it. At this point, was everything you had in this business? Mostly, yes. I had some cash in a bank account and that was that was about it. And I had some equity in some other businesses that were going through their own challenges at that time. But yes. So we're talking, let's say you've got 90% of
1: your net worth and wealth in this business, and then you're having a bit of a doubt moment.
0: Yes. <laughs> to put it to put it bluntly. To put it bluntly, Charlie. Yes, and the way that I always get through these challenges is I, I back myself in business and I just go, great, okay. Well, the best opportunity to is to diversify and to diversify into a thing that I know and love, which is business. And so uh, I still remember it was about a year into sort of COVID and lockdowns and stuff like that, and uh, I remember I, t- I turned to Hazel and we were sitting on the bed and I said to Hazel, I said, hey, like we need to do something. That's going to like mitigate this risk. Like, if this if this happens, like, we should really just have something else just to lean into to sort of sink our teeth into and stuff like that. I've got an idea, and I presented her like an investment opportunity into a business for these two guys that I was coaching at the time uh, to help them get off the ground. <laughs> and she's kind of turns through to me and she's like, "I get, I get what you're doing, and I understand why you're doing it, uh, but what about us? At what point?" For us as a family, do we think about what we have, our investments, our things outside of just like equity in all these random companies that require you to solve all their problems for you? And uh, for a guy that was thought he was solving this uncertainty problem, Charlie, by bringing in another business, I was kind of like, fuck, it. <laughs> you've never seen a man so deflated in his life. <laughs> I was going to
1: say, how how did your um, stomach feel in that moment?
0: So. Yeah, have you ever had the solution to a problem, or you thought you had a solution to a problem, and you presented it, and someone's like, "I'll, I'll support it," but you're wrong. But you didn't have the answer that was right. That was that was hold it moment. right there.
1: That is my experience of working with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so like no, that was seriously. It's like it when you've like put your heart and soul into something. And in this case, like we're talking about your future, right? So totally. this is you and Hazel's future. You're betting on uh, when it comes to wealth in this case here, and to put something out there where you're—you've literally got the most skill. Like this is where business, you know how to be effective for. And I know Hazel listens to the podcast, so I'll say this kindly: she knifed you. Dude, she knifed me
0: hard and <sighs> hard and and right? But you know what's funny? Like I look back and rightfully so. Because those are the two, two of the most defining moments of my life. And probably the, the things combined into one story, <laughs> like right-sizing and firing like a, a lot of people at one day, but then also looking at your wife who has more uncertainty than you. And she's like, you're missing something. Um, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh. And so uh, then it leads on to a com- the conversations that we've had in the past um, about like reading on investments, trying to think about, see what other business owners did. H- had I this? started investing at this point in property? I would have I, for sure. I think you I had, had. Yeah. I think you you just started your journey. And so we had spoken probably sort of 6, 12 months prior. Um, but yeah, it was like you were one of the first people I talked to. I talked to – it's funny. I talked to so many business owners and they had no answers for me. And it was <laughs> it was so hard to go, okay, well, uh, if I didn't if, – if I had the option not to invest in business mm-hmm. again, like well, what would I do? Like imagine I had a, a a decent amount of money sitting in a bank account. Like what would I do that wasn't business that seems as logical that I can apply my own skill set to and stuff like that. And it was just freaking hard. So anyway, went and read a book, read lots of books, talked to lots of people and funnily enough, that's where you and I are completely aligned. And what was it? The, the epiphany was going, you know what? Something is better than nothing. Yeah, as long as there is some kind of risk mitigation strategy where I'm like, if I got into investment, I could get out. I'm like i'm I'm fine with it and so that's actually when we bought our very very first investment property um because i'm like and i was so challenged by it because i was like i could use this money in other businesses i could change other, i could change the business i'm in right now like i'm just right size and here i'm going how do i build a safety net outside of this business but i'm like The business could totally use this money, Charlie. Like I could totally increase the money that this brings. Oh, my God. It was the biggest conflict sits at the back of my head of going, is this even the right choice to be kind of selfish like this? Completely. And it feels even counterintuitive, right? I
1: remember when there was moments when I elected to invest outside of business instead of in it. And I very much questioned, is this because I don't believe in myself? Like if you're good at business, why wouldn't you back yourself harder in business? And <laughs> I, of course, my experience is very different on this point, right? It's like I had the experience of seeing what happened to my father growing up where he had everything in his business. And then when business didn't go as planned, he lost everything because yeah. all his wealth was in a business. Um, and sadly, that continues to happen to a lot of people today as well. So it's fascinating. I think can – can I steal this point as well? Can this be both of our point for the first one?
0: <laughs> Dude, this would just be a therapy session right now. <laughs> so, am I going to bring the mood back Hang up? on. I feel Dude. like this podcast has just been therapy
1: sessions for Dude. the entire time.
0: Man. Whew. Talk about right, so emotions
1: okay. on a podcast. Fucking hell. So <laughs> in the more recent stages of business, the key point here is that you build wealth inside and outside of business, which is the whole purpose of this podcast, by the way, is to share that. Totally. Totally. So Yeah, I, I concur. I concur in a big way. It was a huge moment for me as well and certainly a life-changing one. Open the wound. Well, I, I, being my moment was in my childhood. I've already processed that stuff. I'm well past my, my wound on that one. But, but in your case, it's like I, I feel for you. It's a sobering moment when you realize that business is more risky than you thought
0: it was. Even, the challenge was – like to to that point, the biggest challenge was learning a second skill set because I'm like all I needed to know was how to master business and crush business, which I, I've done very well at. But it was it was so sobering to recognize that like there, there was another skill set that I had to learn, which and it wasn't a small one. It's not like I'm trying to I don't know learn a new part of marketing in my business. This is no, like it's a, a
1: different f- business.
0: <laughs> it's fundamentally a different business. Um, Can I ask a
1: question from that before we I move on though? My finding and experience has been though, yes, there is a learning curve with, in our case, we do real estate, but you could do other types of investments as well, right? There's a whole bunch of different investments you could do, but learning real estate and doing what we do leveled me up in both worlds in a big way. Totally. totally. So uh, it's a very worthy seal, set. Has your experience been the same? Do you find yourself taking some of the things you've learned in your property business and bringing them across to what you do actively? Vicky Versa,
0: completely. Geez, like (laughs) the way that I view it. And funnily enough, I actually have more gusto in business to generate more profit because of my real estate business or like my property investments that I have. Because I'm like, I want to grow that quicker. Well, how do I grow that quicker? Well, you're going to make sure the business makes more profit. Well, fine. That's exactly what I'm going to do. It's almost like it created this purpose for me. And then, and you know, my change in the last three or so years has been huge because it's all, it's been this massive, pivot to going, okay, well, I just now do business fundamentally differently to how I used to. I used to build businesses for the exit, uh, which may or may not happen, um, where now it's more like, well, try and take the money as you go each month, because you just don't know how long it's going to be around for.
1: Completely. But it's a net worth play. It's realizing that these things work with each other to create a net worth and for a lot of people that's what they're trying to do with their business. In the case of your exit strategy, it was to build wealth. It's just a different path to build wealth where the way we do it now with investing inside and outside our businesses is that we just build wealth in a different way. We're taking profits from one business to put into assets in another. I'm going to tag onto this point because I think one of the things within what you've just said that I've most noticeably – also had from this as an impact is when you go and play real estate the thing i had to level up the most in was actually finance skills
0: (gasps) i love this yeah
1: yeah and so i'll I'll paint a picture here is like when you're running an agency i didn't have debt to manage right i also didn't have cash flow to manage in the same way because the agency model is very cash flow positive you can grow from profits reasonably easily so you kind of neglect that area of business if you're that type of business owner. Noting uh, there's a whole bunch of businesses that use debt and other things, but for a lot of us, like we don't actually manage it in that way. Where property finances most of the game. Yep. Right, Finance is, you know, there's a joke in um, the industry where it's like, oh, uh, you know, property is just a game of finance with a bunch of houses thrown in. <laughs> and, and how true <laughs> I'm finding that statement to be.
0: <laughs> totally. Yes. Yep. I could go.
1: But then the counter is this is like the thing I'd leveled up substantially was finance skills that have then carried across and I use them in business today. And I think that's probably been one of the most powerful impacts I've had is because now when I'm viewing my financial reports, I take them way more seriously like my finance business and I'm getting more experience in that. So I would say the added layer to going down this path is that you do develop those finance skills. And I think it's, one of the reasons we take bookkeeping and accounting so seriously is because we've seen the impacts it's had in that world, where for a lot of business owners, I think they probably don't take their finance skills as seriously as they should because they haven't necessarily
0: had that impact. And it, it, I'm going to pull on that a little bit more because one of the insane things that I pushed through was like when I was working with my bookkeeper as I was leveling up, because I, I, I completely concur. That more recently, I've learned more about reading finances and making decisions based off what the financial reports tell me than ever before. And previously, I thought I knew how to read financial statements pretty darn well. But the thing—wait, you,
1: you mean you knew how to read a P and L that's kind of like skewy?
0: <laughs> yes, you should have seen some horrific things that I've done, Charlie, and some horrific things that I've seen.
1: I'm still blown I'm, away with how many business owners can't tell me the difference between a P and
0: L and a cash flow report or a balance sheet. Um, but, but to that point, it was so frustrating me coaching the bookkeeper I was working with on the things that I wanted. And I'm like, you're the expert. You should be bringing things (laughs) to me. You should be like, you should be the one asking me. So I I just find that fascinating. And I'm like, it's almost like when the apprentice becomes a teacher. (laughs) We're not meant to be discussing this in this
1: episode and I will, uh, ah, no, I've got to do a side rant. I was going to jump over it, but why not? We're here. Do it. Dude, bookkeeping and accounting, the industry is butchered because yes. it's all just for compliance sake. And because that's what has become the standard, it's become conditioned where business owners need so much more than that. Do you know how many, business, how many business owners have you spoken to, Grant, where they'll say something like, Why didn't my accountant show me that? Or Why didn't he mention these things? Or Why isn't my bookkeeper giving me the reports that look like your reports? <laughs>
0: Well, who, who's your bookkeeper I wanted to use them because they seem like to give you information that helps like <laughs> well that's why we started the bookkeeping business yeah, totally is because
1: it's a crime what's going on the whole totally. compliance thing I think there's a whole bunch of business owners that don't have the finance reports they need to run their business as well and it shows yeah. it really
0: shows and it also comes back to the point that you're making which is the the level ups more recently have come from improved ability to read financial reports
1: all right, well, side note, if you do want to get better financial reports in the way we're talking about here, come and check out Know The Score Finance, shameless plug for our bookkeeping service. I'll allow it. Awesome. Do I get to go a point now?
0: I was going to say, let's do a point. And we're just going to keep flowing on with this. Hey, Charlie, what's uh, what's been the thing that's created the biggest impact more recently for you? Training my mind. <sighs> Yoda comes out. The sage. All right, expand.
1: This is a really interesting um, point for myself and something I recognize is that at times in business where I've experienced the biggest form of growth, where it all started was me, right? So it's if I grow first, then business would grow on the back of it. And I'll use some examples here to really like expand upon this point. When I first got into investing, right, What made a huge difference for me was learning and working on my thoughts when it came to debt. And specifically there, it was with George Antone's book, The Debt Millionaire. So when I spent the time to level myself up and train my mind around what debt means for me in this world, the follow-on effect from that is that I was able to be a successful property investor. Where if I tried to be a property investor without first working on me and my beliefs around property and how I view property and all of that, I would have failed because I, in this case, would have likely been too dead adverse or to try to do things in a way in order to prevent the growth. Now, I've had this happen to me on repeat throughout my life. Like potentially people are sick of hearing the stories of like, you know, I had a very impactful mastermind with Ben Simkin. That was like a very, very like inflection point for me. So once I've known this, right, so once you have a few experiences where it's like, okay, step one, level up you step 2 then work on the thing that's been a substantial like change point for me so actively now when i'm pursuing a higher level of growth in business or trying to do something more there that's the area i work on now when i don't and this is the picture i want to paint when i'm like let's say let's say my mind is operating at a certain level and i'm striving to do something more what tends to happen is I get really burnt out, I get frustrated, I end up in a lot of indecision. I end up being, I suppose, almost like just in conflict with myself continually going back and forth on things. So I have found immensely, immensely the power of kind of levelling
0: oneself up. It's funny. I I credit you to being one of the people who probably levels themselves up or it's almost like you feel completely stagnant unless you're going through some kind of change like uncomfortably stagnant. Like I reckon that the day that yes. be most frustrated would be like the day that you're not like working on something. <laughs> so, but I, I find this challenging. Like even in myself, right? It's almost like when you when I in the past have built a business, I'm building it for a layer of stability to get to this point where I'm like, oh, that seems to be good. And then I I acknowledge and recognize when I've hit my personal glass ceiling because they call it a glass ceiling because you can't see it, Charlie the thing that is stopping your business growing is that glass ceiling. The time that I know that I hit that glass ceiling is when I look at things like sales, marketing operations, I'm like, this seems to be a pretty well-oiled machine. And I'm like, no, Grant, you just don't know what you don't know, which means you are now the limiter. Uh, there is no difference between what I'm doing. And if you went and brought in Keith Cunningham into one of the businesses and just said, Hey, Keith, what would you do here? He, wouldn't know. he would have a completely different view. <laughs> and so, uh, I found this fascinating because it's the same for myself around training the mind. Like, But the hardest thing, which is my question to you, that I've the hardest thing that I have found is at what point do I train the mind versus flipping it onto executing against it versus then going from execution to training the mind again because it's like this flywheel, this forever flywheel. I can only share what my
1: experience has been. I can't say this is the way for everyone. Um, I have found I tend to go on like a couple of year cycle. So I'll spend probably a year working on myself and then a year executing on that. And it seems to be this rotational stuff back and forth. Now, that doesn't mean there isn't some crossover things, right? It's not like I'm, you know, leveling up me and not trying to do things. It just seems that that sliding scale over a couple of year period really changes. So, most notably, like when, uh, let's say I, I start the media company. I'm levelling myself up as the media person. So in that year, I was spending more time on training, less time on doing. The second year of the media company, though, I'm executing hard. It's less on personal growth and more on like achieving the thing, like getting the result. And I've just found that to be a bit of a cycle in myself. So uh, coming forward to even other areas today, it's like we're both playing golf, right? Can you see that we're mentally levelling up in a big way? And then at a future point, we'll probably spend more time playing golf than we are working on the skills of golf. Yeah. So I just see this like really interesting cycle. W- one of the things I'll just mention here as well is that I've seen a lot of businesses over the year where it's like they're trying to solve things to get to a point of stagnation. They feel like that goal, of, it's almost like the goal to get, and you called it stability, but it is yeah. stagnation. So that level. That next yeah. Level. So my experience has been is stagnation isn't safe because as soon as you get stagnant, right, you get comfortable. And if you stay there too long, you actually get just overtaken. Like your competitors will come over the corner, you'll miss big innovation and become obsolete. Like in many, many ways, like a la Kodak. (laughs) Blockbuster. Yeah, the the stagnation is the thing that leads to the demise. So if you don't keep changing and evolving and growing in some way or shape or form, that stagnation period is there. And you you could take this further, right? It's like... I think about the idea that stagnation is actually like you're going to be forced to change anyway. Like we are forced to change just by the nature of time. Like we get older, like you can't stay the same. It's not actually possible. Like environments change. We change as people. Like it's all a game of continual change. And I think it's a better approach
0: to just get really good at change. Mm. Uh, Yeah, what is it? Like the only thing that's constant in life is death, taxes and change. (laughs) Darwin, baby. It's all about Darwin. (laughs) Good old Darwin. Uh, It did. I I got so much points to riff off on that, but I I completely concur. Uh, The one trap that just – because I've just opened the wounds on everything, Charlie, one of the traps that I found myself in where like years ago, all I did was forever change, like forever personal development, and I never actually reviewed and tried to execute on top of it. So I would like continually improve, I'd buy programs, I'd watch videos, and I'd just – It would be a forever personal development for years and I never let it sink in. Dude, I'm like, actually, my cheeks are hurting from smiling hard. You meet the people that are always improving and never doing. Dude, and that was me. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to do this meditation. Ah, no, hang on. I'm going to do this meditation. Oh, wait, I heard this and I'm going to do this. And it was this perception of like training the mind. But just, and then it would just never settle in to actually see, is this the right thing? Is this not the right thing? You just change. Yeah, I know change. people that have read, read 52 books a year. You wouldn't know, but. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like those things. It's, yeah. And so like there's this other side of it, of it as well, which is hence my questions to her, because I found that years ago, especially when I started, man, everyone used to love the amount that I was consuming, but I just look back at it now and go, dude, you had no idea.
1: There <laughs> and, are definitely over-consumers out there. There's uh, over-consumers out there in the same way. And um, I think it's a huge one. All right, pressing on your
0: next point. All right, so my my point is I'm going to summarize it in like thinking time instead of executing time. And You kind of touched on this a little bit just before, Charlie. So I'm, I'm curious, have you ever had a situation where you were like you were in a room with other people and everyone was just like putting in these ideas and these thoughts and solutions and you're like, wow, all of these people are really smart. And then you like looked back at yours, and you're like, mm, "Mine aren't that great. <laughs> like maybe I am, not to the and not to the point of being the dumbest person in the room, which is always a good thing. But to the point of going, should I actually even be here? Have you ever had that?
1: I have absolutely been in meetings and been underprepared and underthought out. Yes.
0: Well, I'll stack one up on top of you. So, so this was this was kind of it was a couple of years ago, so it's not super duper recent, but holy smokes do I I use this every single day. So I'll paint, the, I'll paint this one up for you, Charlie. In Cremorne, which is just a, a suburb of Melbourne, uh, we had an office for the project management company and I was there with my two co-founders to set it up. One's 10 years older, the other one's 20 years older. Very smart human beings. And we were doing a quarterly review. And this thing was going on for about two and a half hours, three hours, and we're halfway in. And I had not said anything, hadn't added a single piece of value. I may as well have just been a fly on the bloody wall. And I'm just sitting there like sweating bullets, man. I'm just sitting there going, these guys are geniuses. How the hell did they come up with these points? And I am just freaking out going, dude, they're going to tap me on the shoulder and be like, dude, what value do you add to this business? <laughs> why why, do we, why did we bring you in on this thing? Because you can't solve these problems you're not adding constructive criticism constructive feedback like we're doing all the heavy lifting here and you're just not bringing anything up and i dude i still remember halfway through that meeting just going sitting back in my chair going what the fuck am i doing here like biggest imposter syndrome i've ever felt in my life to the point like my mind even went to the to the end and just said maybe i just transfer like equity back to these guys because i just like, I just don't think I should be here. Like these guys are well versed beyond my skill set. And it's just it's too far. Like the, the bridge is way too far between them and me. Uh and oh my gosh. And so anyway, I got to my points and I just said the dumbest things like dude, I just had the dumbest points, the dumbest feedback, the dumbest ideas. And you know when you say an idea and someone else's response is like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we'll have a or- think about that one. <laughs> Yeah, well, all no, we let's could do put it on this. the list for later. Yeah, all we can do this, you idiot. That was me. That was like me in this quarterly meeting, and I would just, dude. I I, I still remember this meeting. I, I remember the fucking table. I remember, and it didn't help. I was on one side, and both of them were on the other side, and I just felt like that was like a, a, interviewing me, and like reviewing me. I was just trash bad. Can I ask a question around this? Don't mm. make me cry, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel in this meeting
1: that you would have been able to? contribute more if you had had the time and put thought into it or is this like a skill gap thing where these guys are like veterans being they were a
0: little bit older than you well this was this was the thing because at the time i had no different like during that meeting i didn't know like man i'd i'd run businesses before i'd been able to generate profits before i could solve the problems but these guys would the ideas were so good and it just made me second question everything Right so at the point it was I didn't actually think that I knew what I needed to know. I'm like what books haven't I read? What courses haven't I done? What what haven't I not done? And it was it was really interesting cuz like obviously <laughs> the was pretty obvious like I just like imposter syndrome had no fucking idea what I was going to do or how I was going to solve it. And I still remember I looked down at one of my business partners um like in front of him on the table he had this moleskin he always carried this moleskin uh, in front of him and he hadn't written in it. But he had all these bullet points that he was like literally going through during the meeting. So anyway, I finished the meeting um, and I was talking to him. I said, like, I don't think I did the best in this meeting. Like, I, I don't think I've added the value that I
1: should Good have. Good on added. you for owning up to
0: that. A lot of people wouldn't. <laughs> no, wait. This is a defense mechanism to make sure I didn't have to transfer equity back. <laughs> it was like, you were like, oh, my gosh. So I anyway, <laughs> so I, so I said to him, I said, like, like you yeah, had everything like planned out and stuff like that. Obviously, I just haven't, haven't sort of given this thing the, the credit that it needed. Like what's the difference Yeah, I'm like, obviously, we became business partners because you know I can solve problems and all these things. I'm like, what's the gap? And so he was an XSS sniper um, for reconnaissance. So they would go in and do reconnaissance and look at the enemy and come back with a plan and ideas and observations, all these things. He's like, all I did was apply that to every critical meeting I ever have in my life. And he's like, I would take the same amount of time that I have the meeting for to think about the meeting. So he's like, so for example, if this was a one-hour meeting where you wanted me to do observations of the business to try and find what the bottlenecks are in order for us to remove the bottlenecks to move forwards, he's like, I spend an hour just thinking about the thing, phone off, everything away. He's like, I usually go out to a cafe and just sit down with the with the Moleskin because which is just a diary, some notebook, right. Um, and just write it out. It's just like, I would just ask myself the questions of, like, what am I not seeing? And it's like, usually the first 10, 15 minutes is just dribble. It's like, it's, it's the the responses that most people would give out, is like, and then the next 45 minutes is the most valuable stuff. Cause like, then your brain's dumped it all. And it, now it starts to think critically. Um, well, hold
1: on a How long did you spend preparing for that meeting?
0: <laughs> I think that the. Preparation, like, none, nothing. I think I went and got a coffee. and I'm like, all right, cool, there's a meeting. I just need to hire some more developers to solve the throughput issue that we had in product. (laughs) That was my recommendation.
1: One of the things I've noticed is the idea of, like, young man game versus old man game. And I'll tell you right now is, like, whenever I, you know, see a business owner in their 20s, like, their calendars are loaded up with doing.
0: Execution, dude.
1: Yeah. Yeah, very heavily focused on execution and doing. And then you see older people where it's like way more free time on the calendar assigned time to thinking like they really put uh, like, I suppose they've found the way to be more effective through in this case, preparation time. So is that your finding as well in this circumstance?
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, the, every time I think about this, I always go back to, I think it was like Abraham Lincoln with the saying of like, how do you cut down a tree? And it's like three quarters of the time I'll spend sharpening my axe And like the rest, cutting the other tree versus just going to the tree with an (laughs) axe. And so I'm like, yeah, so through my experience, the best decisions I've ever made is the ones that I've stopped, slowed down and really sort of thought about it and just gone, Even if the outcome was the same, right? I'm like, oh, yeah, my intuition was right. Just having the conviction and the thought process to actually support it through. And I'll, I'll continue the story. So... Funnily enough, uh, I was living in the Philippines at the time, so I went back to the Philippines and I flew back like two months later uh, for another meeting. Uh, and dude, I had prepped for this thing. I'm like, it's like I was going to war. I was like, so trying to, I, li- prove I like this, I like where this is going. <laughs> so i dude, I'd like prepped. I knew everything. Like I was in this huge Zen moment. I'd like meditated before I went and did my prep, and I did like three of them. Like right, so I was like, I was well prepped. I walked in and I spoke to them and I was like highly engaged in all of their areas of the business. Um, and I still remember this day because it was awesome. Like in Cremorne, we're at an Airbnb, me and one of my business partners, and he sat me aside and he's just like, dude, that is why you're in the business. He's like, that whatever you have done there, he's like, don't do any anything else, just do that, and this business will crush. And I'm like, fuck.
1: And do you so know what I, I find so interesting so far? And yes, I will interrupt. Do it, do it. I would say
0: that is something you're probably most well-known for now. It's funny. I've I've got equity. I've been paid handsomely just for that thinking. <laughs> Like, it was like a like, unique skill set. I'm like, oh my gosh. You bring excellent thinking
1: to the meetings we have. And like, we've uh, done what we call like uh, thinking time dis- discussions around Keith's work, which I'll mention in a minute. But it's like, I would say one of your top attributes in business has definitely been like your meeting preparation and thinking time into things. And it's where you come up with these excellent strategies, right? It's made you a much more strategic business owner, in my mind. So, uh, very interesting that this is where this come from, though.
0: It's funny. in In recent years, like the times that I actually know that I'm doing like shit house, is the times where I've sacrificed thinking time. Like I actually, I actually too, reckon, too much doing, young dude. Man, you yeah. could you could draw a line on my like the profits that I would take or the investments that I would make, comparative to the volume of thinking time I've done. Like literally, it would be a direct correlation between them like where the three months where I like sort of stopped doing thinking time and stuff like that, like the income would like just stagnate or drop <laughs> versus great thinking. It's like just get, off, get off the tools. But, yeah, so that was one of the biggest impacts and it, it just continues to have a massive impact. Yeah, so, yeah,
1: I mean you've got a guy like Keith Cunningham as well, astronomically successful and he says the number one contributor to his success is thinking time, actually taking time to think instead of being in that doing. And when you've got a guy like that saying that, And many others, right? This isn't the only one. There's been copious amounts of people. It's something we both practice and I would say huge impact. It's hard to argue against this point. I want to steal your point again. Do you know what I'm just going to? Do it. Just steal it. So uh, I'm stealing both of your points. (laughs) Do it. Well, I I do thinking time. I would say I do it five mornings a week. I do thinking time. And at other points in my life, I used to do it while I would go for a drive. I found going for a drive to be a way I would do thinking time. And the thing that is the most interesting about it for me is these like spontaneous thoughts I wouldn't have if I was caught up in the doing. Like I find that there are answers that come out of me when I put my mind to a problem for a certain amount of time, right? It's just very different than that
0: whole surface response. Yeah, I've just like this knee-jerk response. I need to have a response. What is the first response that I've gotten? That must be my heart knows better. Like this must be it. I'd, completely. Yeah. And I will mention
1: for everyone out there, uh, The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. He has an excellent process in that book in the first couple of chapters on how to do a thinking time session. Um, that is the approach I use.
0: And I said, su- I suspect you probably use something similar to that, Grant. It was funny because after that, I caught Keith after our conversations and then I learned it. Uh, one of the best things I did was I actually copied all of his questions out of um, The Road Less Stupid and actually put them down because then I found out that the second limiter was how good my questions were. <laughs> I found out like, like my questions sucked, my thinking time sucked. <laughs> yeah.
1: I I concur. I actually have uh them all copied out in my Apple notes as well.
0: Oh, do you really? Yeah. Yeah. So how funny. I just Our thought minds that. Was... The same way. But yeah.
1: All right. Gotta
0: go to the next point.
1: Yeah, so let's jump into my next one here, although it's going to be a hard act to follow today, Grant. Two really strong points, Try, I, I quite enjoy in uh, another way. So I'm going to, this is two points, but it's one point. All and right. because it's my podcast, I get to do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so point one is getting better at saying no to good opportunities. Good. All right, and then the second one is doing less but better. So, these are one in the same. So, in saying no to things, there are more room for doing things well on my plate. Now, when something's not working, so let's say you uh, start something and it loses 10 grand a month, it's really easy to say no to that or shut it down. But the further you go into business, that gap between like good and bad completely changes where it's like you're actually now having to say no to really good things. Great opportunities. opportunities come across my plate every week that are good, like legitimately things that could make a really big difference in business and in life or whatever it is. And you have to be able to look at those opportunities and say, no, knowing that it's going to distract you from the bigger or better opportunities you have on your plate currently. Yep. And any business owner will know this. Who's uh, been in it. Let's say you're running a business and it needs all your attention and then you say yes to something, and you start dropping plates on the critical components of your business that are important. Um, I won't name names, but when the whole Bitcoin craze was happening, I saw a lot of business owners get excited by that opportunity because they perceived it as a good opportunity and then they started to not run their business as well. Yeah. So the core things they're doing end up falling down. So one of the things I've really tried to cultivate and also use my thinking time for is evaluating these opportunities more thoroughly and then saying no to most of them in the idea that there's only room for quality. So it's been a really powerful process. So um, go for it.
0: I got a riff on this. Did it. And I've covered it on the podcast before. I have literally just gone and exited a whole heap of great opportunities for that exact point. Like they were all doing the thing. And I'm like, you can't all do the thing at the same time. (laughs) I'm like, this is is horrific. And so I had to, literally, I sold it equity. I sort of downside. I did everything I possibly could to make sure that I focus on like the things that actually matter the most. And we've done the same.
1: (laughs) I want to ask you a question on this one here, looping you back around. When you got rid of the things that were potentially distracting you, how did the things that were actually important to you start to perform? (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's like incomparably well. <laughs> it was like a it was like a double and triple output solution. And it's, it's funny, like just the thought. So transparently, I had equity in different businesses, whether or not I was executing some things.
1: Right. But yeah, we, wait, everyone who listens to this podcast know you've got problems with ADHD and having equity in other companies. We're all <laughs> so, good on that.
0: Continue on. So the problem, but the problem is it takes, even though you're not solving the problem, it's just got this little bloody niggle. In the back of your head that just uses up this tiny piece of mental capacity that cannot be put onto the things that are actually providing you the results you want. And so the second I removed them and just like completely like, removed the emails, removed everything, removed the calendar like and just got completely out, then all my mind, all my thinking time as well, Charlie, was all focused on like these one or two things. And oh my gosh, like that's just, that's scary like the results that you and I have received on the other side of that, like it's just nuts, incomparable, incomparable.
1: Yeah, so this is where it becomes counter.
0: So I'm going to use income as the
1: example. At times, I've taken on other projects or things because I want to make more money. right? I'm sure many business owners can relate to that, even yourself. But what ends up happening is that split focus ends up creating lesser overall money than if I had just said no and doubled down on the the core competencies where I can do even better or enhance results. So, if you were to go through my uh, finances or my P&L, you're going to go, look, Charlie, what happened here? Saying no to things, getting rid of things and doubling down on areas where you can, what is it? Do less but better.
0: there There are two friends off the top of my head that I think of right now. And ever since I became friends with them, like you're talking about when I was like 18, 19, dude, they have had the same business. And both of them, each independent of each other, are making seven figures a month from these businesses in revenue. And I'm just like, and they just did one thing forever and they have just crushed. And then you look at a lot of like people like myself and other people and they've just gone 10 different ideas at one time. <laughs> and it's just it's chalk and cheese. like, Completely. So, insane. I right. love that.
1: I'm going to wrap this one up from here. This has been a fun episode, Grant. Some key points. I'd love to know for people that are listening to it, let us know what's had the biggest impact on you. Uh, reply to the emails or jump into the Facebook group, something,
0: something, something. Businessinvesting.com forward slash newsletter. something, something, something. Thank you very much for joining us and we'll catch you on the next episode of Business and Investing.